Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of John Reviews Sets Through Eyes in the Mind or something like that. I don't know. We'll figure out the title later. Anyways, today, today, this section, we are going to talk about the blue cards in Eternal Masters. Because as we all know, blue, best color in magic, according to some. Some of those people tend to be liars, but hey, I'm not one to judge. So, let's go ahead and kick things off the ground. Talk about the first blue card, which is Arcanus, the Omnipotent, which a little people, some people are upset that he's been reprinted again, but again, they're just trying to get the feel for older sets, and he's very nostalgic for people who played back during that time. Now, who is Arcanus? He is a legendary creature, wizard, no, no other subtype, wizard at rare, for three, blue, 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 and he's a three, four. You'll notice that all of these these legendary creatures are part of a cycle from way back, and I believe in Onslaught, or earlier, I have to double check that, but I'm not going to right now because I'm talking, uh, these are the Pit Fighters, and they all have three and then three colors of mana, and that kind of defines who they are. That's how you know that they're a cycle. Mana costs. Anyways, Arcanus has two abilities. He, you can tap him to draw three cards, and you can pay two blue-blue to return him to your hand. Protected from removal, he also draws a bunch of cards. He's pretty good. I don't know how high of a pick he's going to end up being, uh, because there's a lot of really good blue cards, but he's definitely a card that I'm going to be looking at and being maybe a little wary of at first. Next blue card is Brainstorm. This time it is an uncommon, not a lot of shuffle effects in this format, so that kind of makes sense. It Brainstorm is an instant for a single blue at uncommon. You draw three cards. Then you put two cards from the top of your hand, from, or from the top, from your hand onto the top of your library in any order. Now, you can get kind of brainstorm locked out if you uh, cast this and you don't have a way to shuffle, which is how it's exploited a lot in Legacy and Vintage to be able to say, hey, here's three good cards. Put these two bad cards away, then crack my fetch land to shuffle, or do some other effect to shuffle my library. Not a ton of shuffle effects in this format, but brainstorm is definitely a card that is just, it's very, very powerful. It's something that I'm going to be. Uh, very excited to see what happens with in the future. Oh, by the way, foils of this are going to be money. Just FYI. Uh, foils from Conspiracy of Brainstorm are $45 currently. So you can expect foils of Brainstorm and Eternal Masters being an uncommon to be around there, if not a little bit higher. Next, we have, at common, we have Cephalid Sage. It's a creature Cephalid. Think Octopus People. It is two and a, it is three and a blue for a 2-3. It has Threshold. Threshold is a uh, mechanic that basically says if you have seven cards in your library, then something happens. In this case, Cephalid, said, Cephalid Sage, say that ten times fast, says as long as you control seven or more cards, or as long as seven or more cards are in your graveyard, Cephalid Sage has, with Cephalid Sage, enter the, battles, enter the battlefield, draw three cards, then discard two cards. Two of the themes in blue are Threshold, which is in, in blue-green, and a slight reanimator theme, which is in blue-black. Cephalid Sage works with both, because if you have Threshold, you're able to dig some cards up and then pitch some of your fatties, so you're able to reanimate them later on. Pretty solid card, more of a role player than anything, not something that I want to pick highly too, too much, because there is a little bit of setup that you need to do in order to make sure that he does have the draw three, discard two effect. So, pretty solid, decent body for blue, not exciting. The draw three is the draw three and discard two is really why you want to play this guy. You're not going to play him because he's a two three for four. Nobody likes that. Moving on with sick new Therese Nielsen art at rare, we have control magic two blue blue enchantment aura enchant creature. You control enchanted creature. 
Now you might think this is for the Enchantress deck, but remember, the Enchantress deck is is green, white, not blue. The control magic is basically just whatever the best creature on the board is that your opponent controls. Whether they have the best creature in play or whether you just want the best creature in play, that's really what control magic is for. It's a very high pick, I would imagine, because it's just it could be anything. You know, there's the old Family Guy joke. It could even be a boat. So just take control magic. You'll be happy with it, and your opponents will be none the wiser. Next, we have at common instant blue blue good old counter spell counter target spell. It doesn't get more basic than this. It has some really great art by Zach Stella. And I am really excited to see what foils of this are going to end up being because this card has gotten quite a bit of hype. I think I've seen a few people say this is the best counterspell art. I'm not sure. I haven't made that kind of distinction yet. But good card. Solid card. Too good from standard, but this is the perfect place to see a reprint of it. Next we have Daze, which is an instant and uncommon for a single one in a blue. You can counter target spell unless the controller pays one. This isn't exciting. Why is Days exciting? Because you may return an island you control to its owner's hand rather than pay Days' mana cost. It is a free counterspell. Days is currently absurdly expensive expensive on Magic Online, which is probably part of the reason why it's in this in this set, but it's also just because it's a very valuable card for Legacy. A lot of the Legacy Delver decks play Days because it's a free counterspell. You just pick up a land and counter and force spike them. It's something that you're that you're going to see a lot in Legacy, something that you see sometimes in uh, Vintage, but not too often. Days isn't really something that you see people, yeah, you don't really get people with. Anyways, good card. I'd play it. Maybe not first pick it, unless you really want the Days, but it's definitely something that your opponents are going to have to think about next game when they go, I can cast this thing, but what if they have Days? Then I just get blown out. That's really the. That's really how Days is great. Next, we have Deep Analysis. It's a sorcery at common for three and a blue. It says target player draws two cards. Then it has Flashback for one and a blue and pay three life. Now, this is using the uh, Ajani vs. Nicobolas dual deck art. This is the first time this art will be in foil. And this art does look really good in foil. I would imagine this art looks great in foil. It's a very solid card. It's blue draw spell. You can essentially draw four cards for six mana and paying three life, which is something a blue deck is definitely going to want to do. Also, this is really good in the blue-red spells deck, especially with Burning Vengeance, which if you, we'll get to Burning Vengeance when we get to the red cards, it is definitely something you're going to have to watch out for. Also, if you're in a blue deck that cares about card draw, take deep analysis. Anyways, moving on to a rare that I'm not sure if it's good and limited. I'm willing to be proven wrong, but it is Diminishing Returns. What is Diminishing Returns? It's two blue-blue for a sorcery. Each player shuffles his, his or her hand and graveyard into his or her library. You exile the top 10 cards of your library. Then each player draws up to 7 cards. Now, you could draw no cards. I would recommend drawing 7, just because you need to. Now, this is a kind of fixed time twister, which is 2 and a blue for this effect, but you don't exile any cards. But you do exile the cards before you draw 7. It's not draw 7, then exile. It's exile 10, then draw 7. Now, one of the downsides is that in Limited, you have a 40-card deck. 10 cards is a large portion of your library, even at 40 cards without drawing 7 and going through the motions. Odds are you're only going to have 20 cards in your deck in Limited when you cast this, combined with it in your graveyard based on the permanents you have in play and the cards you have in hand. It's going to be very dangerous when you're diminishing returns in Limited. 
in constructed in legacy or invented this is very good in the belter strategies we'll talk about goblin char belter when we get to the artifacts but this is more of a seed for legacy than it is for limited you might take it because of its price point i don't have the price point currently on hand but it is a very cool card and it's a very unique effect so it's powerful but again it's very dangerous and limited and that's just where i'm going to go ahead and leave you all with that Next, we have Dream Twist, a single blue instant at common. Target player puts the top three cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard, then flashback for one in the blue. This is the perfect card for the Burning Vengeance deck. Casting things out of your graveyard is exactly what it wants to do. Fill your graveyard with instant sorceries. Flash them back with Dream Twist. Feel great about life. Don't target your opponent. You're not going to mill them out. Sorry. <laughs> Moving on, Factor Fiction, uh, part of the uh, acronym... Um, E-O-T-F-O-F-Y-L, I believe it is. Uh, end of turn, Factor Fiction, you lose. Uh, Factor Fiction is three and a blue for an instant at uncommon. You reveal the top five cards of your library. An opponent separates those cards into two piles. Put one pile into your hand, the other into your graveyard. This card is just absurd because it plays mind games with your opponent. Because you will flip five cards, you'll, hand, you'll hold them out to your opponent and say, here, make the piles. And it's their job to make sure that you have the hardest decision you have to make. Usually, once you see what those five cards are off the Factor Fiction, you already know what cards you want. So, what you just take whatever pile you need. Like, whatever pile has the card that you want the most of. So, Factor Fiction, very powerful card. It is very powerful. I would I would first pick it out of some packs, because it's just it's just very, very strong, is what, I'm try, is what I'm trying to say. Moving on, we have our first blue mythic, which is... Uh, you already heard this card before because it was the first card announced for the set. It is Force of Will, Instant Mythic, 3 blue blue, counter target spell, but you may pay one life and exile a blue card from your hand rather than pay, than pay Force of Will's mana cost. With the great flavor text, I alone determine my destiny. With also, by the way, sick Therese Nielsen art, this art's going to look amazing in foil. No questions. So why is Force of Will Mythic? It's more Mythic because of what Tarmogoyf is. Tarmogoyf is probably actually around a rare. Force of Will is definitely a rare effect, but they're putting it at Mythic because there's not a lot in circulation. They want more in circulation, but there is there are a bunch of factors in play that they can't just put this at unco Uncommon like it was in Alliances. So very valuable card. You're going to first pick it because it's very valuable. But other than that, it's not... It's, you're two for one in yourself and limited if you cast it for its uh, alternative casting cost. In Legacy, it's very valuable because there's decks that you need to tap out to play a threat and then either protect the threat, like in Delver, or if you need to just protect whatever your spell win condition is. So Force of Will is very valuable in those formats. So first pick it because it's first pick it because it's a hundred ninety to hundred dollar card. That's that. Next up we have Future Sight. It's a card, not the set. It's an enchantment at rare for two blue blue blue. You play with the top card of your library revealed, and you may play the top card of your library. So it kind of just adds an eighth card to your hand, and you can kind of just treat it as say, oh, hey, there's this counter spell on top of my deck that you know about. I'm going to counter whatever spell you have. Just, F just FYI, FYI, friend, okay, I'm going to counter your spell. It's very good. I don't think I'd first pick it. It kind of requires a specific deck to be built around it and limited, but it's pretty good. I would pick it pretty early in the pack, especially because of its stringent um, blue casting cost. You're not going to see it in every blue deck. 
Next, we have one of the few forms of blue removal, which is gaseous form. For two and a blue, it is an enchantment aura at common. It enchants a creature, and it prevents all damage dealt to and by the enchanted creature. We've most recently seen this effect in Cure the Crashing Wave plus, Cure the Crashing Wave plus one ability, but gaseous form does take a creature completely out of the combat equation as far as attacking is concerned, but it can still block, so it can still kind of just hose you in that respect. So make sure you didn't turn your opponent's 8-8 into an 8-8 wall, because that can happen with Gaseous Form. But it's pretty solid. Pick it up middle of the pack. Next, we have Giant Tortoise. It is a 1 of the blue for a 1-1 turtle at, un or at common, and it gets plus 0, plus 3 as long as it's untapped. It's fine. It's not great. Pick it up at the end of packs. It'll be okay. Next up, Glacial Wall. Tuna Blue, Creature Wall at Common. It's an 07 Defender. Play it in Blue White Flyers to help defend the ground. It's fine. Next is Hunden of Seeing Winds. It is Tuna Blue for a Legendary, or 4 and a Blue, excuse me, for a Legendary Enchantment Shrine at Uncommon. At the beginning of your upkeep, draw a card for each shrine you control. This is the shrine I'm willing to start with to help me find my other shrines that are in my deck for the 5 color shrine deck. You do have to watch out for decking yourself, especially if you have all 5 in play. Because drawing six cards a turn, you're going to deck yourself pretty quickly and limited. But it's really cool. It's really sweet. I'd play it. I want to play this deck at least once in, in limited. So, hey, you do what you can. Next is a card that's been needing a reprint for quite a while, mainly because of Magic Online play. But you know what? It's still played in Legacy. It is still played in Vintage. It is Hydra Blast. One single blue mana for an instant at Uncommon. You choose one. Counter target spell if it's red. Destroy target permanent if it's red. So, are you a blue mage and you hate red players? This is the card for you, basically. It's very limited, more of a sideboard card. I would highly pick foils, because they're going to be very valuable. This is the first printing of Hydroblast in foil, period. So those are going to be very valuable. But other than that, it's pretty alright. Next is Inkwell Leviathan. It is an artifact creature Leviathan at rare. It is 7 blue blue for a 7-11. It has Island Walk, it has Trample, and it has Shroud. So why is Inkwell Leviathan here? Well, remember the reanimator theme that I mentioned? This is definitely one of those payloads you're going to be wanting in that reanimator deck. Inkle Leviathan is huge, it is large, it is in charge, it is nearly impossible to kill, you know, barring some strange coincidences. So just make sure that you have that, if you see this in the draft and you pass it, that you find an answer for it. There aren't many, there are some, but Shroud, again, makes this card really hard to deal with. So just be very careful when you're playing against Inkle Leviathan. Next, we have our second mythic, Jace, the Mind Sculptor. I don't know if you've heard of him. If you've been playing recently, you might not. Uh, this is one of the few. This is one of the most recent cards to have been banned in Standard. He is a Planeswalker Jace at Mythic for two blue blue. He starts at three loyalty, and he has a whopping four Planeswalker abilities. Plus two. Look at the top card of target player's library. You may put that card in the bottom of that player's library. People often think that this is only opponents, but you can target yourself. Most of the time with this plus two, you're going to target your opponent so that you you know what they're going to be drawing next. Because it doesn't matter much as much for you, for you to be able to scry one every turn, because fate sealing them, which is what this kind of effect is called, is much more powerful. Being able to go, oh, hey, there's a forest on top of your library. That's cool. Or being able to go, oh, there's a Wrath of God. I don't want a Wrath of God. I'll put that on the bottom. It's That is the kind of power that Jace has. His zero is draw three cards, then put two cards from your hand on top of your library in any order. It's exactly Brainstorm. It's very easy to get Brainstorm blocked with Jace, 
without any shuffle effects. Again, I don't recall any aside from the tutors, which might be your best bet. But other than that, Jace is just something that you're gonna be that you're gonna see, and you're gonna be like, "Yep, this is a card that I'm gonna have to care about." So brainstorm, very good. Next, minus one, return target creature to its owner's hand. That's kind of the protection method that that this Jace has. Plus, being able to unsummon a creature three times is not the worst use of four mana. Usually, you could find better uses, but hey, it's there. And then finally, the ultimate, which where if you get this off, your opponent's in a terrible place. Exile all cards from target player's library, then that player shuffles his or her hand into his or her library. Yeah, it's kind of just wins the game on the spot almost. So, just be careful with it. Playing playing against Jace is very hard to do. Playing with Jace can be hard to do. Usually you'd be you'll be alright if you just brainstorm every turn, depending on board states and whatnot. But it's a seventy dollar card, it's an eighty dollar card. Take it because of the paycheck, take it because it's very good and limited. Have a lot of fun, and then you can go play it in Legacy or Commander or anything like that. Next is Jetting Glass Kite. It is a spirit. It's a four-four flying spirit at uncommon for four blue blue, and whenever it comes to target of a spell or ability for the first time each turn, counter that spell or ability. So it's a pseudo shroud hexproof, but only once, which is fine. It's very going to be very hard to kill. Your opponent's going to need to spend kind of two cards or like a card and a half, depending on what the ability is that's targeting it to get rid of it. Plus, 4-4 Flyers are always great. So I would play Jenny Glasskite in any blue deck. I'd pick it fairly highly, but I'm not sure exactly how highly. Next, we have Marshall Suckless's favorite card in the set, which is Mana War. It is a 2-2 creature jellyfish at common for 2 and a blue. When it enters the battlefield, return target creature to its owner's hand. Of note, if Mana War is the only creature in play, it has to return itself. I have accidentally done that to myself, and it's not fun. But... It's a very great tempo play. You're basically spending the full three mana's worth, two mana for the bear, one mana for the unsummon. It's great. Play Mana War in your blue decks. Next, we have Memory Lapse, which is one in the blue for an instant at common. You counter target spell, and if that spell is countered this way, you put it on top of its owner's library instead of that player's graveyard. So it doesn't get rid of the spell permanently. It just kind of puts it away for a turn, or takes it out of my, out of play, out of sight, out of mind for a while. Pretty solid card. Not one that I'm going to be picking that much of if I'm in the blue deck, unless I really need it or if I'm more tempo-oriented. Next, we have Merfolk Looter, which has graduated from common to uncommon. It's a Merfolk Rogue for one of the blue. It's a 1-1. You can tap it to draw a card and discard a card. Looters are great. Merfolk Looter also helps fuel the the, um, the Threshold or the Reanimator decks like we talked about before. So pick it in your blue decks. Pick it highly. Be happy. Next, we have a rare that on Friday went up to auction. It is, or the original art, I should say, went up to auction. It is Mystical Tutor with brand new art. It's a single blue instant at rare. You search your library for an instant or sorcery card, reveal that card, shuffle your library, then put that card on top of it. It is very good, especially if you have some silver bullets, instant sorceries in your deck. Like, say, you're a blue-white flyers deck and you're behind on board. Mystical Tutor for your Wrath of God, cast Wrath of God, everything's fine. I don't think this is gonna, that line of play is going to show up too often, but you never know. Next, we have Una's Grace, which is two and a blue for an instant at common. It says target player draws a card, and then it has Retrace. If you don't know what Retrace does, it says you may cast this card from your graveyard by discarding a land card in addition to paying its other costs. So, pitch a land, pay two and a blue, you draw a card. Una's Grace is a very good engine card, and it's easily the best seed for the Burning Vengeance deck, because basically all your lands then turn into three mana, 
deal two damage target creature or player, and then draw a card. Again, we'll get to Burning Vengeance in the red card, so this is really where Una's Grace is going to shine. It's okay in other decks, I would imagine, because three mana cycling is not great, but then turning all your lands into three mana cycling, that's pretty good. Next is Peregrine Drake. It is a 2-3 creature Drake at common for four and a blue. It has, it has flying, as you might imagine, and when it enters the battlefield, untap up to five lands. This is a very dangerous ability to see. Now, it's a common for Popper, and there has been some recent problems with cards like this at, at common and Popper, but I'm willing to give it the benefit of the doubt. We'll see what happens with it. Either way, it's going to be pretty good and limited. It's essentially a free card because you get to untap all your lands. Play it once. Play it always. Be happy with it. Next, we have Phantom Monster. It's a 3-3 illusion, 3-3 illusion at common. It has flying, and it costs 3 and a blue. Very solid common for Flyers deck. 3-3 Flyer for 4, very good, especially when you're going to be playing with a bunch of the uh, the uh, Blue-White Flyers cards like we mentioned before. Next card is Phyrexian Ingester. It is 6 and a blue for a beast at Uncommon. It's a 3-3, but it has Imprint. When it enters the battlefield, you may exile target non-token creature. And then Phyrexian Ingester gets plus X plus Y, where X is the, creature, is the exiled creature's power and Y is its toughness. Toughness, excuse me. So what does this card do? It just gets rid of a thing, and it turns it into a bigger thing. So I would pick this pretty highly in blue decks because it's a pretty much a blue removal spell. So hey, I'm gonna be I'm gonna look forward to playing it, and it's gonna do a lot of good stuff for us. Next is Prodigal Sorcerer, two in a blue for a one-one human wizard at common, or at uncommon. That's not what I want to do for four, for three mana at uncommon, but you can tap it, and Prodigal Sorcerer deals one damage to target creature or player. Now, if you're a newer player, you might go, hey, this doesn't feel like a blue card. You'd be right. It'd be more of a red card. But back in the day, blue got the pink things. Nowadays, the the, uh, the color pie is a little bit more kind of uh, nuanced, a little bit more kind of smoothed over. This is now a red effect, but Prodigal Sorcerer is a very nostalgic effect. It is a very powerful effect because pingers, like Prodigal Sorcerer, do a lot of messing with combat math. You can also just kind of get your opponent out of nowhere with it. So, good card. I'd play it. Next is a Uncommon Sorcery, which is Quiet Speculation for one in the blue. Search target player's library for up to three cards with flashback. Put them into that player's graveyard. Then the player shuffles his or her his or her library. You wanted another card for the flashback deck? Here it is. Help grab some of your cards to help fuel your Burning Vengeance, to help make sure that your Burning Vengeance has fuel to help start picking your opponent's this is where I want to start. Quiet Speculation, very solid, but really only in that deck, so I would not pick this card too highly unless I already know what I'm doing. Next is Screeching Scob. It is a 2-1 zombie for one of the blue at common. When it enters the battlefield, put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. It's fine. It does a job. It's better in the re- it's better in the reanimator deck because it, you want to be milling yourself. You want to put your cards into your graveyard. So it's a valuable tool in that respect. Also... It's a serviceable, like, kind of roadblock in blue decks, just to make sure that you don't get run over. Next at rare is Serendip Ifrit. Two and a blue for a 3-4 flyer. Whoa, blue doesn't get this kind of stats usually. Well, has a downside. At the beginning of your upkeep, Serendip Ifrit deals one damage to you. Now, the one damage isn't going to seem like a lot at first, but over time, the Ifrit could kill you. But if you're in the blue-white flyers deck, ideally you're killing them faster than they are killing you. And with a 3-4 flyer in play for 3 mana on turn 3, that is definitely something that's going to be harder to do for your opponent. Pick it early, 
maybe not often, but I would definitely pick it early. Next is a card that has had multiple purposes over its time, over its uh, lifespan. That is Shoreline Ranger. It's five and a blue for a bird soldier at common. It's a three-four flyer, and it has island cycling for two mana. So you can pay two generic mana, discard this card, grab an island, put it into your hand. Early game, it helps make sure you hit your land drops. Late game, it's a flyer. Cards that fit two roles in different parts of the game are always really solid. I don't think I'd pick this highly, but I would definitely pick this fairly early. Next is Silent Departure. It's a single blue mana for a common sorcery. It is strictly unsummoned. Return target creature to its owner's hand, and it has flashback for four and a blue. So, you want to get rid of a thing? Great. You want to get rid of a thing twice? That's also great. Sorcery hurts it a little bit, but a limited, usually you only need the sorcery. And the fact that you can do it twice is very, very nice. Next is Sprite Noble. One blue blue for a 2-2 fairy at Uncommon. It has flying, as you might imagine. Other creatures you control with flying get plus 0, plus 1. And then you can tap the fairy noble to give other creatures you control with flying plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. Great take on a flying lord that I don't remember the original set that Sprite Noble was printed in, but it is definitely going to be a very valuable card in that deck. I would easily first pick this card and try to draft the Flyers deck, or if I'm the Flyers deck late in the draft, try to wheel one, because it's really going to be only going to be wanted in the blue-white Flyers deck for its full value. Otherwise, pretty solid card. Uh, three mana for a 2-2 Flyer is fine, but you really want to be able to get the bonuses before you play this card. Next is Stupefying Touch. One in the blue for an enchantment or at common. It is a creature, or an enchanted creature. When Stupefying Touch enters the battlefield, you draw a card. That's good. Enchanted creatures' activated abilities can be activated. That's also pretty good. It doesn't stop it from attacking or blocking like pacifism does, but it stops some of the activated abilities. And we've seen already a few very strong activated abilities that we might want to be able to stop. So Stupefying Touch is a great answer for those for those, uh, for those those cards. Next is Tidal Wave. Two and a blue for an instant. You put a 5-5 five, five blue wall creature token with Defender onto the battlefield. Sack it at the beginning of the next end step. This is really good for ambushing some blockers out of the way, or some attackers out of the way, because a 3-mana 5-5 five, five with Flash, even if only 6 around for a turn, that's pretty big, you know? That's, uh, that's huge. So, hey, Tidal Wave, very strong card. Probably pick it, well, it's a common, so you're going to see, it, you might see a few of these. So be careful when you're attacking with your ground creatures. Make sure you have some flyers to get over the Tidal Wave. Next is a Warden of Evos Isle. It is two and a blue for a common 2-2 bird wizard at, with flying, and creature spells with flying you cast cost one less. So this got downgraded from uncommon to common. I'm not sure how good this card is going to be in limited, but I can imagine drafting three of these and having the dream draw of being able to go turn three Warden, turn four uh, Warden Warden with another mana up to be able to cast another like one mana flyer. So hey, live the dream I guess. Solid card. Maybe not pick it highly, but definitely pick it late or mid-pack when you're in the when you're in the Flyers deck. Speaking of Flyers, here is our last blue card, which is Wonder. It's a creature incarnation at uncommon for it. It's a two-two for three and a blue. It has flying, but as long as Wonder is in your graveyard and you control an island, creatures you control have flying. This is a cycle from Odyssey block where there were these monocolored incarnations that had additional effects when they were in your graveyard, Wonder being the blue one, and as you might imagine, it's really good when all of your team gets flying because you have an island and a Wonder in your graveyard. So I'll take this card pretty early, build around it, try to play it if you can, if not, it's no harm, no foul, but I would not feel too bad just 
I would not feel too bad having a wonder and a few islands in my deck. It's much better when you're heavy blue, so that's where you kind of want to lean after you see a wonder. So that's all the blue cards, and we definitely have a lot of very powerful stuff in the blue. I mean, we have Jace the Mind Sculptor, we have Force of Will at Mythic, we have some very good card draw. Are not a lot of creatures that we talked about, but we do have the flyers that we have to worry about for the blue-white flyers deck. We saw some flashback spells for blue-red spells, and this is definitely a color that's going to be getting a lot of the attention in this format. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for me for the blue cards. Again, if you don't follow me on Twitter already, you should. I'm on Twitter at jwiley129. You can also reach me on the podcast, which I host, which is called Eyes on the Mize, which is at Eyes on the Mize on Twitter. Or if you have an email that you want to send directly to the po- to the podcast, it is eyesonthemize at gmail.com. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you guys have a fantastic morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. And I'll talk to you next time with the black cards.